Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 435, Mr. Samich. 73K, huzzah! <laughs> Wearing the Bomb Squad shirt and support. I got. I had to get a fresh a haircut. I'm like, I'm with the $73,000 man today. I got to look my best. Congratulations to you. If you uh, aren't aware, uh, Mike Samich was in the FloCal tournament this past weekend. Every race at Santa Anita and Gulfstream, Saturday and Sunday. And you made your traditional closing kick in on sunday that uh cleaned up we'll talk more about it later uh, after we get through the derby talk which won't take too long um but at least i wanted to top the show congratulate you and tell the folks why we're so happy for you today yeah i appreciate it man thank you very much for all the the comments the support the dms the texts everything got a ton of love afterward uh we'll talk about that last race specifically it was um it was kind of wild got got hit by the the computer assisted wagers and they uh they bombed down the price but you know it, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it more toward the end of the show. One of the things, the main things I learned in poker, though, is you can only be mad at what you can control. And uh, I couldn't control that. You know, it was 12 to 1, 10 to 1, and all the will, future will pays. Horse got bet down to 6 to 1 coming out of the gate. There's no way you could expect it. And uh, happy the horse won. Happy we took down second place. Would have been nice to hit first. Would have been nice if the five didn't place. But, you know, the guy who won, uh, David Wolf, did a wonderful job all weekend and had back-to-back place horses. And that's what, what kept him in front of me. So... Uh, props to him and uh, you know we'll get him next time man it's it's always nice to get that number the uh, uh, David Wolf by the way his wife right was at the final table with you at NHC last year is that correct I don't know if Shirley's his wife it's the wolf is spelled spelled the same way um, and she was okay. uh, she, she finished seventh right behind me I believe I finished six, or she finished eighth I finished seventh last year at NHC um, so I, I'll add, I'm hopefully going to see him this weekend he's going to be down at uh, Gulfstream Park if anyone's going to be at Gulfstream Park uh, hit me up I'll be down there for Friday and Saturday with my dad playing the Pegasus tournament uh, and doing live shows with both racing dudes and uh, ABR so going to be a busy Saturday but Friday uh, just a lot of drinking and a lot of talking horses so make sure you hit me up if you're down there that's awesome. Uh, so you are going to be in the Pegasus World Is it the, the Pegasus World Cup betting challenge? Is that what it's officially called? Yeah, I think it's the Pegasus. Yeah, I think it is the Pegasus World Cup betting challenge. I got it. I did not win a seat from this weekend, um, but I have a seat through horse turnings already. And I'm going to try and win a second one now since uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Feeling pretty good about the handicapping overall after that that late run there at Gulfstream. Uh, San Anita. Uh, lots of congrats in the chat. Yeah, so so happy for you. Um, all right. Like, what we said, <clears throat> said, like we said, we will talk about that and especially that last race. Uh, uh, boy, those those late odds always always a kicker. But uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Derby. We had the Lacomp Stakes over the weekend, and then we had Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool Three this past weekend. So we'll talk about those odds before we get into it. Let's not waste any time, buddy. Riders up! Mike first well I guess only race we'll talk about really uh the Lacombe stakes at fairgrounds I'll hit play here if you're watching us on YouTube oops I need to mute it because I can hear it there there we go uh the Lacombe stakes instant coffee uh is gonna get the win here he was the morning line favorite it was a field of eight uh it's so scratched to go run at Turfway Park he finished seventh so really couldn't have done any worse there than if he'd been in this race um and then with Tappet's Conquest scratched out and probably the right move because he didn't even win his allowance race earlier uh, but what did you think overall your first take on the LeCompte here? 
Well, I think we can officially say Echo again should be a sprinter. Uh, happy to hear that he is doing well coming out of this race. Obviously yep. pulled up down the stretch. So that was good news right off the bat. Uh, I, I was surprised how fast they went here. I mean, if you were watching this card the whole day, this is the only race that was going two turns that went under 40 or went 47 and one for the entire day. So they went quick up front, set up well for instant coffee, who, you know, I, I think ran a good race and got the job done. This is a really tough card to to look back at and try and predict where these horses or how these horses will improve out of it because we had so many maiden special races to open this thing up i think it was like eight maiden special races that were on the card this was the fastest two turn a mile and 16th race on the entire card which is a good sign it was faster than that allowance it was race number 10 or race number nine i'm sorry it was faster than louisiana right before this with older males so those are both very good signs for instant coffee um it's all about how good two fills is, right? Because Echo again pulls up in the stretch. Bromley absolutely backed out. Confidence games three wide ends up running third year. But the only other horse in the race is Darlington, who's 50 to one on the rail there trying to make some type of charge. So not sure what was behind instant coffee here, but you love to see the way he did this. Again, I mean, it, it, he was professional last time that he won his graded stakes race over at uh, Churchill Downs. He looked professional here again, being able to go wide into the stretch and kind of run by. Never really in doubt that he was going to win once they hit the stretch. But it's going to be all about how good this was. And you can see there, I mean, they went 112 and 138 and two. I mean, that's that's a pretty slow quarter of a mile there, finishing 145. You know, I, I liked Instant Coffee coming into this race. I, I mentioned him at 66 to one on one of the preview videos that we did for the, the Kentucky Derby. I would like him at that number. I'm not really sure how to rate this type of performance, though, because he comes back with a 92 buyer. And like I said, best mile in the 16th or fastest mile in the 16th race of the day. But it didn't really blow you away, you know, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with instant coffee moving forward. I think he's the only derby horse in this field, though. The uh, uh, we'll get to, we'll talk about the, the future wager here in a bit because uh, 50 this is why you want fixed odds overseas on those future wagers. Um, instant coffee ended as the second choice, second individual choice behind Forte 15 to one on Saturday and Sunday. I was just watching the odds, just like. Yeah. Drop, 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 drop. It was like the San Diego Park uh, finale on Sunday. Just the yeah, I just kept going down. Sorry, too soon for you. Um, I do want to bring up the fact that Chris here, instant coffee feels like slightly better than Mo Donegal. That is a very big statement. I don't know if I agree with it, Chris. Uh, I don't love the fact that Saez had this. He almost seems like a lazy horse. Saez was working on him hard. I'll rewind it here back to the, uh, as they're going into the turn. And Saez is already pumping hard to get him to go. Uh, he was definitely the best horse in this race. And I think, you know, the two fills coming into this was probably like, he looked like he would might be a cut below a step below on paper. And he, I think he would found out he's a step below overall. He didn't really beat anything to get you excited. And I think that that's when he runs this kind of a race, Mike, uh, against better horses, uh, even against better horses, a uh, Corona bolt of victory formation in his own stable, he's going to get beat. You can't race like this against really good horses leading up to the Derby and, and have success like that. Well, it's, the whole Louisiana circuit's interesting because I, I very much poo-pooed the Louisiana circuit. In the last two years, we've seen good horses come out of it. However, before that, there weren't that many that were in those Louisiana preps. You're like, that's the horse I want. Uh, this one feels like it may be one of those where it's like, hey, there's one horse in here who could turn into something very good because if Brad Cox, this is basically Brad Cox said, this is my best horse at fairgrounds right now by scratching, um, uh, by scratching out uh, Tappet's Conquest, Tappet's Conquest out yep. of this race and putting him into that allowance. 
So you have to respect that because Brad Cox has one of the best three-year-old barns, if not the best, and will be the most uh, well-represented three-year-old barn in the Derby because Bob Baffert's horses are going to get spread out like butter on a piece of toast. Um, <laughs> so you got to respect that much of it. But like I said, I mean, this didn't get me excited. They were like, he, I would have wanted him to win by open lengths to be able to really say, yeah, this was a great effort. And again, that, that 112 to 138, really has me worried but i don't know if i should be that down on it because of how this track was so instant coffee is one of those where i'm going to kind of leave it leave him in the same spot i did saying he's a long shot that i would be interested in however if he ends up like you mentioned as one of the favorites in the future pool i think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves in that sense yeah i don't think anybody should be playing him at 15 to 1 to win the kentucky derby because yeah, I just I don't believe in, in uh, what he's shown us so far, at least <clears throat> moving forward to the Derby. The buyers kind of play that out, too. Uh, you know, he gets a 92 here, but he only, I would say, got a 92. He ran a faster race than the older horses in the Louisiana Stakes one race earlier that you talked about. The top three finishers all got 95, 94 from that race. So it was fast early. It, you know, I think it really set up for him. Saez did a fantastic job putting him in the right position. Because the way the track had been playing, if you were that far back where he's at now, if you were that far back at the top of the stretch, you you couldn't close. The track was just playing that slow. So I thought Saez did a great job riding him. Saez, remember, teamed up with Brad Cox with Essential Quality. So uh, he seems to know, get paired up with some of the best ones that uh, Brad Cox has there. Um, you mentioned again, uh, I'll bring it up again. Sorry, Echo again. You know, we see him getting pulled up there. Tyler keeps looking down because the horse took a weird step and he thought something happened. Uh, Tyler doing the right thing, wrapping him up. The horse was out of the race anyway, so it's not like, uh, it, you know, he really cost him too much there. Anything else from this field or, or even from, from Saturday at Fairgrounds that caught your attention? So I would say Echo again, um, interested in that horse sprinting. We talk about this a lot. Horses that make the derby trail and, and they can't really handle the two turns, but when they cut back, they're successful. Echo again is one of those I would tab when we do see him again next. I want him at one turn. He might be a very good seven furlongs, hopeful, or not hopeful, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, seven furlong Saratoga-esque course where he can be, be strong in that sense. Uh, I think people are probably going to overrate uh, the four horse out of this race. Confidence game, who was three wide on the first turn chasing this pace. He runs third, but he's a well-beaten third. And again, Bromley was on the pace and absolutely quit out of it. He clearly doesn't want anything to do with two turns. And a 50 to one shot was fourth in a six horse field. So he kind of got third because not talent, but just because he was the last one left yeah. there. So I would not overrate confidence game out of this one. If he gets hit in his next race or bet in his next race, I'm, he's probably a play against to me. Yeah. The uh, fourth place horse was Dennington for Kenny McPeak and uh, another horse did like, he seemed like he was a cut or two below on paper. Um, you know, the lowest shot on the, or, sorry, the highest odds, 20 to one. Uh, so, you know, if you had him at the bottom of your super, you got a nice little boost there, but adding the blinkers didn't do anything. This is a horse that was never close. He was six lengths behind victory formation, the Smarty Jones. Uh, he was, he was part of the Kentucky jockey club photo finish, but it just didn't really work out for him there. Yeah. It, it took him four starts to break his maiden. So Really, what we're kind of saying that it's you know the Lecomte. You don't always have a lot of horses that come out of it. It's not like last year. I know the last few years actually the Lecomte's been strong, but this year, eh, maybe it's not that one. That's okay. Uh, we did have one horse earlier on the card um, that broke his maiden on debut for Steve Asmussen, and that was first defender in race seven. Don't have a replay for it, but it won very much in hand. Uh, won by over five lengths. Got an eighty-three buyer, which was. Almost as good as what Jotun really got an 84 for winning the two-turn allowance. So 
First offender is by Quality Road out of an AP Indie mayor named Love and Pride who won the grade one Zenyatta, won the personal ensign, so multiple grade one dirt router. Uh, you would think that she's going to have there, sorry, that he would have a potential to stretch out and keep going. But you brought up an interesting point for a couple of them. One, there were multiple two turn maiden special weights he could have debuted at, didn't do that. Two, Asmussen, you know, he has an epicenter here and there, but usually his best horses. They're the ones that are the, you know, the six, seven furlong sprinter. So, you know, I, I don't know how much you remember race seven from Saturday. Uh, You're a little busy with FloCal, but just in general, what do you think about that horse's chances? I, I thought it was an impressive performance. And that was a big field that he was in. Uh, there was another nice first time starter from Asmussen. I expect you to see him two turns. I mean, even Echo again debuted at six and a half at Saratoga and then went to two turns. Right. So uh, Asmussen likes debuting horses at, at, um, at, one turn generally. So I'm not surprised you saw that. I'd expect you're going to see two turns next. I, it's not one that I'd be really tagging for the Derby though. He's not someone who I think is, is one of those trainers like, Hey, I'm going to bring this horse along very quickly to try and rush them into preps and rush them into a Derby. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see a two turn allowance next, maybe a lower level, like a, an overnight stakes. It's two turns, but I'd be pretty surprised if you see him trying to rush that horse into you know, the next prep here at Louisiana or something like that, because that seems like he's overstepping and he doesn't need to do that. He's got horses that are live for these type of races. He doesn't need to push one along just to push one along. He had uh, in Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 3, he did have seven different entries, although Brad Cox had 11. I went through and counted right before the show started. I was like, Bad, Brad Cox is on here a lot. Yeah, 11 times, including why well, we talked about instant coffee, open at 40 to 1. He was about 25, 26 to 1 when the LeConte went off, and he ends at 15 to 1, uh, just beating out Loggins, who Brad Cox is, which is interesting to me because Brad Cox said, we're probably not going to make the Derby with him looking like, he didn't say that, but uh, he, if you read between the lines, he was trying to say, probably not going to make the Derby. Maybe the Preakness is the goal there. Uh, Forte finally takes a bunch of money. He ends up at 7 to 1 after finishing at 10 to 1 the last two pools. Overall, your thoughts on these uh, on the odds here, anybody that stands out to you? I mean, just wild to me. I mean, if we look compared to the overseas numbers right now, you can get Forte at 14 to 1 in fixed odds markets. You can get instant coffee at 33 to 1 in fixed odds markets. So literally double the price on both of them. I got to say, they need to pick better. They should be doing this next weekend. Why the hell are they having a derby pool on a derby prep weekend? Like if you run this next weekend when you've got the Pegasus going on, you've got a ton of people who are betting the races anyway, and you don't have these, these wild odds changes. So the people who bet early are completely screwed. And the people who they have to essentially try and cancel out their wager and then pick and pick a different horse if you don't want to get nailed by these odds changes. Uh, really interesting to choose this weekend. Uh, these pools are tough. We talked about them quite a bit. You got to find a horse you like at a monster number if you're interested betting in this, or you have to play the all other eligible horses where you're getting you know pretty. Uh, you're going to end up with half the field in the Derby, and you're getting five to two or whatever that number is. But at that price at five to two, do you really want to tie your money up for three months? Right. And it's, it's so it's it's kind of a, a hit or miss there on whether or not it's worth the investment to you to have it in, in basically sitting there for that long. I will say I'm a little interested in hit show 77 to one for Brad Cox. I mentioned him on that video as well. You're getting 66 to one overseas. You're actually getting more value in this pool. You did this weekend than you did um, overseas. And he'll be back. I believe it's next weekend. I think we're seeing him next mm -hmm. weekend. Is that right? Um, at Oakland. Yep. So in the southwest. So at least you have. You're going to see him run right away, kind of get an idea of where that value is. But these pools are tough, man, because they're so reactionary. And that's what we saw from, from Instant Coffee there. Because he won that, you're seeing a, a massive odds drop that it's just it's living in the moment. And that's not what you can do when you're trying to bet these horses parimutually four months out.
Uh, one thing I thought was interesting, Vanishing was supposed to, he was going to be favored in that allowance uh, <clears throat> at Fairgrounds. It determinedly won. Uh, he scratched out of it because he banged his stall and hurt himself a little bit the night before. 27 to 1 is what he finished at from 40 to 1. I thought that was uh, that was interesting. You don't see him run. He scratches because of a minor injury and his odds plummet there. Um, extra Añejo, I actually thought might take more money than this. He's 18 to 1. He's expected to start training very, actually get recorded workouts very soon. If he hasn't yet, I don't think he has, but um, echo again. I think the reason echo again is 67 to one, Mike, is a lot of people put money in before the look Um Once you, once you place the money, you can't take it back. It's not like uh, with TVG where you have up until or any of your ADWs, you have up until the race is about to go off that you can cancel it, uh, which I think is nice. You know, there'd be a lot of pool manipulation, I think up until the end of the day, Sunday that might screw things up for some people. Um, looking yeah, through it, uh, instant. Sorry, go ahead. It kind of sucks though. They're like, you can't take it back. You have no idea what you're going to get on this horse. I mean, that's the tough part. Is that like you're not locked into the number that you bet it at. You're locked into the finishing number, but you can't take your money back if you're not happy with it, that your horse gets steamed late, right? And so, it's one of those catch twenty twos where it's why these pools are so tough. And I would not put a dime into this pool until there's five minutes to close, right? Where I I get a yeah. better idea unless the someone comes in and steams at the last second, you get a better idea of what you're actually going to get uh, on a horse in these type of pools. Uh, you mentioned the Southwest stakes and actually you see right here, if you want, we already have the preview up at RacingDudes.com. Aaron uh, did that Arabian night making his big return. Remember that was the Saturday breeders cup uh, first race winner uh, popped at the 97 buyer. I think a huge winner for Bob Baffert. He's returning in the Southwest stakes. He's going to face a pretty deep field, Corona bolts in there. Uh, he's 32 to one on the field uh, hit show. You mentioned we're going to see he's 77 to one. Um, a lot of love for Kings Barnes who will open to 80 and closes at 32 to one. Uh, lots of horses that were way over hundred to one. That's you just kind of expect that uh, when you have this many horses. I, one that I thought was interesting. I, I, uh, I put $5 down just because I think he's probably going to make the Derby gate Prairie Hawk uh, for Sammy Joseph Jr. Tampa Bay Downs is two for two there. Uh, listen, the Tampa Bay Downs is like Turfway Park. You can backdoor your way in the Kentucky Derby that way. So, uh, you know, he's like 110 to one, I think, is what I got on him. We're, we're talking about all these horses that are crazy to bet. And then you see all fillies at 33 to one. Uh, what? Who are you betting? <laughs> Who are, are you betting? He's going to go to the, like, there isn't one. It's no one. There won't be if anyone it, in the game. It's wild. If it's not who's your if it's not who's your Philly, which Amos has already said he's going to try the Oaks route after all with her. Yeah, exactly. Who the hell is it that you're? <laughs> what are we doing here? I, it, this is one of the few times I've seen the closing line higher than the opening than the morning line for all others. Closing at two to one, opening at six to five, very rare. Usually that one is just absolutely gets hammered in every one of these future pools. So basically, that is two to one on every Bob Baffert horse. Uh, which I mean, you're getting Hijazi, you're getting Arabian Night, you're getting Cave Rock. Every possible Bob Bat reincarnate, every possible Bob, Bob Baffert horse is at two to one. And I want to talk about this a little bit. I caught this yesterday, and then I noticed today there was a big story about it. Um, Bob Baffert horses, if you didn't know this, there's a new stipulation in the Triple Crown nomination forms that uh, now it used to, it was before that just Bob Baffert couldn't enter the horse for the Kentucky Derby or the Triple Crown. This year. Any horse that's with Baffert starting on March 1st is not eligible for the Triple Crown. You have to, by February 28th, have to have moved that horse to a different trainer so that you don't have a case where right before the Santa Anita Derby, Baffert switches it over to someone and then they get the points and now they're in. 
Uh, it makes it a little more interesting. If you hear that kind of news, knowing that Baffert can't touch the horse uh, until or, or past February 28th, does that make you more excited, less excited about the Baffert horses, or does that really change anything? It makes me way more excited as a better. I, I like this rule, especially what we saw with not just the Baffert Derby horses, but every Baffert horse took a step backward, basically, went into, went into a different barn. And then some of them regained the pre the, 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 the re-Baffert, right, where they got back into the Baffert barn. At least we're going to see multiple races in a different <clears> barn <throat> and have multiple data points to judge off of. Last year, it's really tough because you see Taba and Messier both run just amazing in the San Diego Derby in a lot of sense. But then they're gone. You don't see them again till the Kentucky Derby. So you don't have anything on paper to say, okay, how are they doing in this barn? What are we seeing from them? Have they lost some of their early foot? What's going on, right? So having multiple efforts on paper in a specific barn makes it a lot easier to handicap and bet those horses. And there's a lot less guesswork from a horse player to think, okay, are they going to continue to improve? Is there going to be a regression? You're going to get those answers before the Derby, which is really nice this year for when you're trying to actually bet the Derby. Uh, I, I, Nick Feldman, I honestly, I didn't see the chat. Uh, you mentioned it five minutes before I brought it up. So I was glad that, that, uh, that, that worked out. I will correct you though. Uh, Nick says he thinks two horses move the rest day and point towards the Preakness. They can't point towards the Preakness. They, like it's the triple crown. It's not the Derby. It's the triple crown nomination form that says that. So that means no Belmont, no Preakness for Baffert. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it, but yeah, that you could see, you'll see the top ones definitely do that. And then he did this. Honestly, I think he probably would have wanted to do this knowing what he knows afterwards. A lot of his horses just keep it with me. Like, let me, Baffert had lost his stall. So maybe that actually wasn't possible. But, Baff, you know, let Baffert have the other horses point towards the summer races, the Haskell. Remember how good the table looked in the Haskell once Baffert got his hands back on him. So um, it's, I, I looked at the actual form because I had read it in, on a blog that I did, had never heard of. And the, it's the actual triple crown form. So we'll find out. Maybe that that will definitely change things um, for the Preakness, but we'll see how that uh, that works out. And you're right, Mike. You said it at the beginning. From a betting standpoint, it helps you out a lot better because you'll get more time to see the horses and what they can do or can't do uh, versus last time. It was like, well, we had, you know, was Taba winning the San Diego Derby because Baffert had him locked and ready to go and just handed the keys to someone else to drive or what, what really happened? There, so. Sure feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> ah that'll be nice yeah nick uh i i let me know if you or anybody let me know what you find out what's going to happen um with i might be wrong about that but uh we'll find out all right that's enough for the derby talk uh mike you ready to talk about some flow cow yeah let's do it do you want me to start talking talk about, about it, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i guess i guess walk us through um the the day start with saturday and how that went for you because i was uh, i was too wrapped up with fairgrounds to really be able to pay much attention to it yeah, I mean, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, one of the better tournaments out there. I really enjoy playing these. You play two tracks every race every day because it changes the style of the tournament in general. I mean, when you're playing a 12-race pick and pray, you are going after it, trying to specifically come up with, okay, where are the races that are going to produce big-time prices? And in the races that aren't, you are still taking shots because a 6-5 to five horse, an 8-5 to five horse, a 2-1 to one horse have very little value in those level of tournaments if you don't have big prices that you're surrounding it with. When you're playing every race every day, you will either move up or move down every single race because someone is going to have every single winner. So you have to adjust your strategy a little bit, especially early on. If you like a horse that's seven to two, that's five to two, that I would never be playing in a 12 horse pick and pray or 10, 12 race pick and pray, 10 race pick and pray, that you're wasting a bullet in those races because the, the, the opportunity cost isn't worth it. However, in these type of tournaments, the seven bucks matters, the five bucks matters, the 
$3.80 would have mattered for me a couple times uh, had I gone that route. So you have to take go after these tournaments differently. You have to look for prices and races. There's going to be prices. But at the same time, when you got $3 that you can take and put in your back pocket, you got to take it and put it in your back pocket because it could all matter in the long run. So it's a different style tournament than what a lot of tournaments you're going to see, but it's one of my favorites to play in because of the way it's set up and because you're just basically trying to go, okay, how can I get the highest value total possible? Um, it's also a tournament that you're never really out of. I mean, I was uh, bottom 10% of the tournament um, with three races left on Saturday, and I hit back-to-back winners at Santa Anita that jumped me up to 30th. So you, you can go up the leaderboard very, very quickly in these style tournaments as well as so you're able to get prices. Um, and so I went to went into Sunday with about thirty in 30th place and kind of didn't didn't do great early at Gulfstream on Sunday. Um, but then I hit back to back nine to one horses and all of a sudden jumped up to the top 24. Was fortunate enough to hit another nine to one shot or 11 to one shot. I'm sorry, with five races left that movie to I think it was like seventh or eighth. But the beauty of it is the leaderboard when you have those type of horses, it was just really compact. So the leader was sitting at like 240 and I was at 211. So I, I'm not out of it in any way, shape or form with five races left. And that's when that end game theory comes into big time play, right? How close do you want to get? You look forward to all the races. If you're playing tournaments, uh, my number one suggestion is cap backward, especially in live tournaments. Figure out, hey, how much do I believe there are going to be prices in the later race? In this case, Sanity's last race was wide open. You could There were going to be two favorites that were clear on paper. Everyone else was going to be a big-time price, right? Or you're going to have chances to take swings depending on where you were on the leaderboard to try and get to the front. So then it was all about how much can you rack up to slowly creep your way up the leaderboard to hopefully be within range going into that last race. Um, and so the last five races, that's kind of the, the, the way I took it. And it's, it's funny, like, you know, most people focus on, okay, yeah, the late odds drop cost me $110,000, right? If, if that horse goes off at eight to one, I win the tournament, win $180,000 instead of 73. Uh, like I said at the top, you can't really control the late odds drop as a better. Like I, I, if you look at the will pays, if you do your due diligence and you look at the, the deli double, the pick three, the pick four, the pick five will pays, it gives you a good idea of what the horse should go off at. And everything said between 12, 10 and 12 to one, which was in range for me to win. Uh, the horse took a ton of late money, went off at six to one. Apparently, Papa Pedramo bet it, according to one of our, our friends in here. Um, and then, you know, there clearly some CAW action there that came in uh, and drove the horse down to six to one. So I, I'm actually not that upset about that late money. I can't control it. I, I made a mistake in the fourth to last race where I didn't take the money. Um, I took a shot with East Rand in a turf race instead of taking a shot, instead of playing the horse. I, I liked the one and two quite a bit in that race. They were the two favorites. I took a shot at a seven to one. One horse ended up winning, would have been an $8 bump for me. That would have gotten the job done. That's what I'm more upset about personally than the late odds drop. It's something I had control over. I, I made a switch from the seven, from the one to the seven late before that race started. And that was the mistake that I actually could affect, right? This I can't really affect when they load in at 11 to one and break it six to one. Um, it was interesting watching this race though, because as soon as I saw six to one, I thought I was in trouble. I didn't think I was going to be able to catch up. I thought I needed at least seven to one to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was a big field and the place prices were juiced up. So I would have actually made the difference. But what really sucks is that five horse who's in third to last right now. If that horse doesn't place, I also win the tournament. <laughs> um, and he ends Damn, up sweeping you spend up. Thrift. Yeah, I, 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 this is a, the five horse sweeps up, gets the job done, ends up running second. It was nice to have the never in doubt winner in the last race. Um, but it, obviously a little frustrating that that. Things just didn't go my way. And I got to say, um, one of the weirdest feelings I've ever had in horse racing, because winning $73,000 is phenomenal. 
feeling like you lost $110,000 at the exact same time is brutal. Like, so it's just one of those very, very odd feelings. Um, but again, like I, I was in the bottom 10% with three races left on Saturday. If you told me I was going to finish second at that point, I would have grabbed that money and run home and not said a damn word. So uh, I can't really complain about it. It was a phenomenal tournament. If you've never played these, go over on horse tourneys, try these out, take a shot in these tournaments. They're a blast to play. It doesn't cost a ton to get in. This is a $1,500 tournament. I got both of my seats for sub $200 by playing qualifiers for them. And I was fortunate enough to win them. I think it was like the first and second weekend they started offering qualifiers. So I didn't have to chase at all. Um, you can get in these for low money and have chances at making like life-changing scores in some of these. This is the lowest one of the three this year. The, the 183000 will be the lowest top prize. So uh, phenomenal weekend. Tons of fun. Uh, really appreciate everybody I was texting with during this. All the support. Now, Dr. Tang, who finished eighth in this, got $11,000, almost twelve grand for it. Uh, did a phenomenal job. We were going back and forth toward the late races. Um, it just, uh, just wasn't quite my day because of a couple couple little confudgery stuff here that happened in the last race. Um, but all in all blast and happy that I at least uh, was able to get a big cash in. Yeah, what a, what a rough day for you to, to cash the 73. I'm watching that five come off, too, and it's like every step you're like, yeah, that five maybe maybe gets up in the money, and then everybody in front quit. I, I didn't realize until I pulled up the form, the four was 20 to one on the morning line. Like it's John White didn't have a bad morning line. This horse just got hammered, and a big part of it, I don't think John White or anybody else knew that Papa Pajama was going to do it. You see how that horse wins. It, just the length of the stretch in hand, that last eighth of a mile, uh, it makes you wonder some things, but I am very happy for you that he was able to, that you were able to cash and get second. Um, and I think the, how you describe your style for this, where you say you, you handicap backwards and go from there. I think that really explains, it helps explain why you have such a, a late closing kick here. You did it at NHC, um, the first year that we went together. And then last year as well, uh, you did it for the NHC. So, uh, it makes sense. Dennis says he hasn't played tourneys because he's scared of people like you. Dennis, I agree. I sit back and watch and just cheer him on because I'm like, I don't want to face Mike. That's not, I don't well, want to do that. Hey, I mean, I this is this is the first one of these majors I finished in the top 10 in. So you never know, man. It, it's it's like anything in horse racing. Anyone can have their day on any day. You just got to get hot at the right time. And I've been fortunate. Some of the bigger events, I've gotten hot at the right time now. So I just got to try and keep that going. Uh, hopefully it rolls into Pegasus next week. Um, and, and weekend or this weekend, I should say, and we uh, we have another nice score there at the Pegasus tournament. But uh, look, these win places are great. And one thing I would say is, like you mentioned, that four is twenty one on the morning line. If you look at the top handicappers there, all of us had the four in that race. And if you look at that twenty one morning line, it is like playing tournaments helps you find long shots. I cannot stress that enough because it forces you to think outside the box. Dr. Tang talked about how he loved that four the night before. I looked at the race. I'm like, yeah, the four is the play here. And you know almost immediately. And when you look back at the four, you're like, hey, why is this horse 20 to 1? If you look at the race it came out of, two horses who are both forwardly placed won that race. This horse was close to the pace. The four silver, I don't know, what is it? It's AG is the, the call sign for silver, right? The element yeah. silver. So AG I'm not bullet, sure if it's silver yeah. bullet or AG bullet. I've heard it called both ways. Um, <laughs> but in the AG's bullet's first race, both of those horses on the lead won. Both those horses came back to win. The horse on the lead won, showed speed. Now you're getting onto San Anita's turf course with a turf pedigree, with Joe Bravo taking them out. Second out, which is something Papa Padramo does well, in a race that didn't have a ton of pace and a bunch of first-time starters, that five horse had six straight gate works. 
You don't want to see six straight gate works for a first-time starter. It tells you they're struggling breaking out of the gate, and it's exactly what happened to the five. Yeah. Maybe the most talented horse in the field, but the, on paper kind of gave away that he was going to be a little bit slow out of the gate. And, and you, when you play tournaments, you just are able to look at all this stuff, and you have to study the long shots more because those are the horses you're playing. So a lot of time you look at only the horses over 10 to 1, you say, okay, which one is playable? Which horse is the best long shot? And it it forces you to look at the long shots for five, six minutes in a race where a lot of people will graze over them pretty quickly. And it makes you a lot better at figuring out which of those horses actually have shots to win. It's one of the main reasons I love tournaments is it, it really helps you play those long shots. And the nice thing about tournaments like this, you can suck for a full day and still cash $73,000. You can't do that in a pick five. You can't do that in a pick six. You can be terrible early. I was awful early, but because you just kind of keep with it, and then you start being right and you start getting hot. The tournaments allow you to miss races and still get big caches. And that, to me, is the other big-time appealing part of it. So Chris brought up uh, – he, he asked earlier, what was the drink of choice? And then, I mean, we got to know, was it Coors Light? Because Silver Bullet helped you cash that. Did you go with Silver Bullet or did you actually drink something that tasted like not water? Uh, well, the, it ended really late. <sighs> Uh, so we actually didn't go crazy last night. We had more fun last night than we did on Sunday night. After, by the way, I was not hungover on Monday. That cancellation was this guy. Just saying, okay. Yeah. Uh, but we did enjoy some nice. It was a. I said rumor has it. I didn't say it was a fact. I said there's a rumor about. Yeah, we went out to some nice sushi and had some good sake last night. That was uh, that was how we chose to celebrate it. And so uh, it was it was fun, man. It was a blast. Um, it was wild, though. I mean, like the emotions right after that, it was for the next six hours, literally six hours. It was just up and down with the feelings about like, should I be happy or should I be really pissed right now? <laughs> like, so, you know, it, again, if I as poorly as the first day went, knowing I finished second, very happy with that. And I didn't have any control over the last race. I couldn't control the five horse running second. I couldn't control that that four horse late eight odds drop. So I feel like I did everything I could in that last race to properly assess the situation. I picked the winner. It was a long shot. It got bet. What can you do, right? Craig said that he, uh, I'm assuming in celebration, he had a big IPA. Uh, I finished off the giant pitcher of margarita that I made for Lecomte Stakes Day. There wasn't much left, but uh, I did do that. By the way, I did not use the uh, Casamigos for that. Casamigos does not go in the margarita. You don't do that to Nice That's what you do with Costco tequila when you accidentally buy Costco tequila and go, this tastes like poison. Mm -hmm. How do I ingest it? Because it's a giant ass bottle. Uh, but yeah, great job on that one. Um, coming up this weekend, uh, Mike will be tackling Gulfstream Park again in a slightly different form. Mike is going to be on the America's Best Racing live stream. Uh, we got it pulled up here. Uh, the Pegasus World Cup live stream, Denonymous Man, Dan Torgman, a uh, big friend of the show. Love Dan. He's a wonderful human being, too, if you're a chance to meet him. Um, but he, Mike's going to be the co-host, and it, I love that he says co-host, a new $73,000 man. Uh, it's like it's your new moniker. You're the Samo Bomb, and now you're the $73,000 man. There's, there's worse monikers. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so everybody wants to know, uh, those of us from the uh, wrestling fandom world, uh, which there are not that many here, but... That's Summer Rae, a WWE legend, a diva. Um, did you have any idea who she was when you were asked to join uh, Daniel Monet? I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Dr. Chang got mad at me about this. He started texting me about it. He's like, oh, you're with her? I'm like, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, so you'll be, you're going to be down there this weekend. You brought it up earlier. Uh, how is that? Like? It starts at three thirty local time. I don't know what. Uh, actually, I'll pull up the PPs. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited with. about this one. It's going to be a fun little live stream. Um, it, it starts at three thirty. It's a three man set, and there's four people, so I'm excited because I get to rotate in and out. So I'll be on probably like six or seven minutes before each race, doing handicapping, talking about who I like in the race, then covering the race a little bit afterward. I'll jump off set, which is great for me because I know Racing Dudes going to be live as well. So I'll be jumping on from the paddock all over Gulfstream Park for the Racing Dudes live show as we're live on Saturday. And I also get to play the tournament. It means I can run to the window and bet on these races as well. When I did the Haskell show, I was stuck in that seat for three hours. I couldn't be betting. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to play the Pegasus Championship, whatever the heck they want to call it there. I'm not as pretty. That's why, Matt, Doc. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm so, the pretty one. Remember yeah, that. <laughs> Magic's the pretty one. I'm the smart one. And uh, yeah. Uh, so they, they, uh, I'll be able to play that tournament. I'll be able to do both the live shows. My dad's going down to Gulfstream with me. So super excited about that. Like I said, I'll be at the track Friday and Saturday. Hit me up if you're going to be down there. I'd love to say hi. Um, it's going to be a blast. Man. I haven't been down to Gulfstream since City of Light, I believe it was, uh, won the, uh, the Pegasus. World Cup. I'm so excited to be back down there, back at that track. I absolutely love Gulfstream. I, like some people, not huge fans of it because of how they turn it into almost a shopping mall. But for me, it's a really fun track to go down and check out on the rail. You can sit there in one of the tables up front, hang out for the full day. It's a blast. The weather's going to be nice, and like the late pick five looks phenomenal. We don't have the the star power that we've had in some of these races in the past. But man, are those fields wide open and big and interesting? I mean, it's it's going to be fun on the Thursday show. I assume we're probably covering Gulfstream Park, right? I think we're probably going Pegasus. Not Absolutely, go Oakland. yeah. If they have a turf race at Oakland, we'll cover Oakland. Um, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm excited to go and like that late pick five specifically. I think it's going to be a ton to play. And from a tournament perspective, those last three races are phenomenal tournament races because you're going to be able to come up with some type of combination that gets you from anywhere on the leaderboard into first. So it's going to be a blast. Uh, my doc Tang's already ready to uh, face off against you there. Uh, Nick Feldman, you're not the first person I've heard say this loves lady spice spear in the, uh, in the turf Pegasus, which I believe, right. Yeah. She's there and not in the Philly and mare Pegasus, tur- whatever the F it's called. Um, that is an interesting move there, but yeah, so the late pick five, uh, so you actually, you go live at three 30 with ABR. That's the Fred Hooper, which starts off the late pick four. So you'll already know if, if our tickets are alive after the WL and McKnight, uh, usually the Mike maker open the big turf marathon race there, but yeah, make sure you come back here on Thursday. We will keep the schedule this time. As long as my kids keep staying, uh, not sick. Uh, we'll be here at five Eastern two Pacific covering the late pick five. That's the WL McKnight, the Fred Hooper, the Pegasus Philly mayor, the Pegasus turf, and then the Pegasus classic. So lots of uh, fun there. Get all of our picks for that. And, uh, thank you again for joining us, Mike. Congratulations. One more time, a hell of a run, a hell of a good time. Uh, happy to be sporting the bomb squad shirt here today. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out? I'm just looking forward to this weekend. I mean, I'm, I, we are getting back into the fun part of horse racing. There's that time after the breeders cup where it just kind of slogs along a little bit. It feels like we're starting to get into it every weekend. You're like, okay, there are this race. I want to watch this horse is coming back. You're starting this campaign. You're seeing this horse come back at four. You're starting to see these three-year-olds actually see how they good, good they are for the Derby. We've got the Pegasus going on. Then we roll into some fun meets. Like I, I'm getting like I'm excited about horse racing in this specific next set of four months. We're about rolling into going up to the Derby. So this is one of the most fun times of the year. Is a better. Um, the later part of the year can get really frustrating because there are certain tracks that are extremely difficult. And either you nail them or you don't. 
this part of the year, you get to go a little bit everywhere, play everywhere. Uh, man, fairgrounds tough though. I don't know if I'm going to play fairgrounds again. It's like, I mean, we didn't talk about it, but that turf course was like, they oh, honestly, man. they just shouldn't have carded turf races. It no. was bad. Well, like only having eight horses in the field is brutal, but then to have the jockeys literally try and take the outside rail, do you know how bad the turf course is? Break and turn right. We're like, we're, they're like, and here's the strategy. He's going to take him to the outside rail. It's like, oh, really? So it's that shitty? That's how bad your turf course is? It's like, just don't even try if you're going to go there. I mean, it's just, it was a mess, man. It was, it was, it's just a shame. It's a shame that like we're in this position where one specific company can't get this shit right and can't get that turf course to look phenomenal. And you look at Gulfstream Park, who put, you know, three million bucks in, fixed their timing issue. Thank you very much, Gulfstream Park. You can now time a race and fix their turf course. It's not that hard. Just go do it. And like we used to make fun of Gulfstream Park's turf course because it was dirt. You literally saw the dirt fly up every time they took a step. And now it's one of the better turf courses in America. Like just put the money into it, fix it, get it going. Instead, Churchill's redoing their paddock again. Great. Yeah. Yeah. What? Mm, yeah. And, and all you can sell more seats around the paddock. That's all they care about. Uh, the Arlington Million uh, moved to Colonial Downs this summer. So, uh, Hopefully the turf course will still be, and you know what, if they manage to ruin Colonial Downs, which has one of the best turf courses in America uh, that's still running, if they manage to ruin that, I, I give up. I officially give up on CDI. It's terrible, but we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. We're going to head out of here. We'll be back on Thursday, 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific, Gulfstream Park, Late Pick 5, uh, the Pegasus World Cup, Late Pick 5. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure if you aren't yet, and I don't know why you're watching this if you haven't yet, Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellerward. The $73,000 man is at Samobomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Remember, we have the, I haven't even mentioned it, so don't remember. Uh, the inside track to the Pegasus World Cup wagering guide will be, uh, it's available for pre-sale right now at racingdudes.com. If you're a monthly subscriber to any of the packages, you're going to get that included. It should be out, hopefully, I think Thursday morning is what we're aiming for. Uh, we'll get everything finalized uh, tomorrow night. I have already edited the first part of it. It, it you're right, Mike. This entire card is loaded. Lots of price play yeah. options. So yeah. if you're interested in playing Gulfstream Park and you're confused by how deep and crazy every single race seems to be, check out the Pegasus World Cup Wagering Guide. Also has the live bankroll article. Yeah. John, you're not kidding. Arlington Park, best turf. RIP to that course. And now they're redoing Soldier Field. They're not even going to build Soldier Field there. There's a $2.2 billion proposal to just make Soldier Field better. So Arlington Park was essentially axed as a bargaining chip to get the city to put money into soldier field. It sucks. It's brutal. I was just going to say, maybe the, the bears will play better when they're on a different turf course out there. Maybe that'll, that'll help them. But all right, we'll get out of here. We'll be back on Thursday until then. I'm magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week. The magic Mike show. Where you hear the experts speak. The magic Mike show. Tune into the show every week. The magic Mike show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racingdudes.com.